Welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And today, it's a very sad day. Well, I guess, not really, but like kind of. It's halfway a sad day. Because it's the last one. Because it's the last one. But it's part one of the last one. So like, we still have one more episode. But we're we're closing out our our movie I'm kind of happy to be, be getting done with it. Yeah. They were never... I do feel like this is going to sound so bad, and we'll talk about this more at the end of this episode and the end of next episode, but I feel like this rewatch made me dislike the movies more. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. And I feel like that's really bad. I mean, I never, like, loved the movies to begin with. Like, they were never something that I was, like, I don't know. Like, it was never... I feel like a lot of Harry Potter fans, like, are constantly watching the movies. They'll just, like, put it on the background when they're doing stuff. Or, like, they do, like, a yearly rewatch. I, like, just kind of naturally have always rewatched them, whether it be on TV or, like, watching them with other people. But I feel like I've never in my life, except for the one time I, like, specifically wanted to sit down and, like, watch them all through in one day and, like, accomplish that, have been, like... I really want to watch a Harry Potter movie today. Like, let's do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, the way I've watched them recently has just been, like, on TV and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I think for me, one of the reasons this made me dislike the movies more was, like, um, for the first, like, five or six I think I read the book like right before and was like intentionally looking for differences and so that was more annoying and also just like having to do it for not strictly fun you know like having to like take notes while doing it and being forced to like pay attention to a whole movie without like I don't know I feel like when I watch movies like just for fun or casually now I like I'm not, like, really focused for the full two hours, so. Yeah. I think it just, these kind of, I don't know, made them less enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. I was, like, not excited to, like, every time we had one, I was like, oh, I have to watch it and take notes. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, (laughs) Way to start an episode out on, like, a super pumped, super thrilling note. Um, the patron of the episode is Anne. Thank you so much for all of your support. It literally means the world to us. Thanks, Anne. Yeah, and then also, before we jump in, I, we want to thank everybody who joined the live watch-along. Um, sorry for the prolonged technical difficulties we had. 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, I have like just gotten a new laptop and I think it threw off like my discord settings and I had to like re-download stuff and it like wasn't working. So Audrey helped me out and was the one who streamed it this time. So thanks for that. But it was fun. I really liked, um, discussing some of the stuff in the movie with everybody. Yeah. I will say that like made it more enjoyable than just like watching it by myself yeah yeah um but thank you everybody for joining um okay so before we like get started on the movie we did decide with this one to not spend time at the beginning talking about casting and special effects um because well for casting there's not the only person I, I can think of is the lady who plays Helena. The lady who plays Helena. Oh, the great and lady. I guess maybe also Aberforth. Oh yeah, yeah. Like we've um, seen his eye before, yeah. but like yeah. I don't really think that there's like notable people to talk about as far as casting. Like I don't have anything no. to say about the two of them no. for casting. Um. And then special effects will certainly be a discussion when we talk about the battle, but I feel like it's really, like, woven into... It's, like, one of the only things you can talk about when you're talking about the battle, because, like, a lot of stuff isn't, like, 
you know, it's just very quick and it's very visual. Um, and not so much, like, break it down dialogue-based and stuff. So yeah, we are just going to leave that to when we get to those parts in the movie and uh, jump right into notes. Yeah. Um, so, like, the first note I have is that the fact that Dobby's death is kind of, like, split up between the two movies, how, like, the first one kind of, like, manufactures that as, like, the climax of the movie, almost, and how it kind of, like, the resolution is pretty quickly, quick afterwards, and, like, that resolution almost bleeds into this movie. I feel like it takes a lot of, like, the gut punch out of seeing Dobby's gravestone, because it's kind of just there to, like, remind you what happened in the last movie. Um, So, like, that may be kind of sad, and, like, something I've never really noticed before. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think that's a good way of putting it. It, like, splits it up and like lessens it kind of on both sides I think yeah. because in the first one you like don't really get time to grieve Dobby before you like see Voldemort getting the Elder Wand and then like the movie is over yeah um and then this one of course it, they just show the headstone and so I think it like you don't really sit in it either way yeah um my comment before that was that like we do get like a little bit I guess it, including the Dobby Dobby's headstone like you do get a little kind of like a recap <laughs> like they reuse the image of like Voldemort getting the elder wand it's like oh what and is it on tv shows like last week on. it's like previously <laughs> yeah. on yeah and it's like you know it's like not always what happened immediately previously it's like the things you need to yes. know going into this yeah, so you it's like always like tell right, what's gonna be important. things you need to know like Voldemort has the elder wand Dobby is dead yeah everything else from the last movie not that important I feel like Game of Thrones did that they would like bring back stuff like randomly yeah. on those it's like okay so like that character's coming back this episode yeah definitely um the next note I have is Dean is supposed to be with them but I'm pretty sure like we talked about that in the last episode because he was supposed to be with them at Malfoy Manor as well mm-hmm. yeah um and they show Luna but barely yeah I and I totally forgot Ollivander was there like in my notes I was like Ollivander is also supposed to be there and then they like go into his room later I was like oh he's already there yeah but in the book they really like spend a lot of time at Shell Cottage and they like have conversations with Bill and Fleur yeah. and Remus comes because Teddy is born oh yeah um, I totally forgot about that and so like there's like actual like plot points that happen at Shell Cottage whereas this is like Honestly, it makes it seem like it's, like, they got there, they buried Dobby. They talked to Ollivander, they talked they to They literally Kirkup, left, they left, like, that day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another note I have is, like, in the book, some of them moved to anti-murials at some point as well. I yes. think Ollivander? Ollivander and... Luna or Dean? Because it's not yeah. Grip Hook. Is it just Well, so Luna... Luna, goes they imply, to, goes back, back, to, back to Hogwarts. Yeah. But I don't think that happens in the book. I feel like it can't. Because, like, she just escaped yeah. being held captive by the Death Eater. She can't go back to yeah. the Death Eater. Yeah. yeah, okay, that definitely doesn't happen in the book. Yeah. She shows up for the Battle of Hogwarts, yes, but, yeah. like, with other Order members. Because yeah. um, there's, like, a, yeah, there's like a line where Fleur is, like, make sure you bring this back to Ant. Because, like, Fleur had borrowed her tiara for the wedding. Yeah. And she, like, gives it to whoever's going back. Yeah. Um, okay, so conversations, I feel like it's with... Grip hook Grip hook first. first. Yeah. Um, he, Harry in both of these conversations feels a lot harsher than he was in the book. Yeah. Um, like he's kind of standoffish, I feel like. Um. Yeah, it was kind of like both of these conversations were really weird to me. And I was like so confused about what Griphook is supposed to know in this situation. Because the mm. movie makes it feel like Griphook knows there's a Horcrux in there. Because, like, there's a line where he's like, there's also many other things in her vault. 
Oh yeah, and, he was like, and then Harry like among he's like it's one of many or like yeah. among other things. And then Harry's like, what else? And then Harry like makes a comment like, what else is in her vault? And they like have this like kind of veiled discussion, but it implies heavily to me at least a viewer yeah. that like Griphook knows there is a Horcrux in the vault, which like is just so weird and inaccurate. Yeah. I think they're trying to, like, hit you over the head with yeah. it so you can be like, oh my god, there's a horcrux in the vault. Yeah. But, like, Gripoko is not the person to do that one. No, it was, like, so weird to me. And I'll, like, talk about this later, but, like, what people know and what people don't know in this movie is, like, very confusing to me. Because there's, like, kind of a similar conversation that happens with Aberforth about, like, horcruxes. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. does he, like, does he know this? Like, it's yeah. all very confusing. Yeah, I agree. Um, that, I didn't have much to say about grip hook. Yeah, the next note um, I have is the scene where they're talking in the stairway. I literally cannot see anything. It's just a <laughs> pitch black screen. The only thing yes. I can see are the smudges on my laptop in that scene. Like, yeah. seriously, this is a Honestly, problem. Honestly... I feel like that happens a lot in Harry Potter. It does. It does. <laughs> and then they go into Ollivander's room. Mm-hmm. Um, and Harry, again, is, like, very confrontational. He's, like... Uh, he he says... What? How does he phrase it? He's, he's like, you lied. Like, you told him. Yeah. Yeah. That. He, like... he Who had the other one? He, like, or? weirdly guilts these like especially Ollivander it's like yeah I don't think you need to put him through a guilt trip right now Harry like I don't know yeah he like wants him to feel bad about it and Ollivander is like a very odd character to begin with both in the books and the movies but this conversation just kind of like confused me even more about his character and I came to the conclusion that Ollivander and Aberforth both I think are like these represent are supposed to represent these like th- people in times of turmoil that are quote unquote like good because they're not bad, but they also don't do anything to actively like fight for good. I mean, Aberforth does. Yeah, but like when we meet him at the Hogshead and he's talking, like he, um, you know, later he comes back and does, but like in that and like all year he's been helping them. Yeah. Like, the trio and the kids yeah. on boards. Yeah. But I see what you like mean. Like, that conversation yeah. that they have. Yeah. Ollivander really doesn't do anything, like, for the cause. But they, like, rescue him and, like, the Weasleys' extended family <laughs> take him in, like, regardless. Um, yeah. Because of, like, what he represents to the wizarding world, I guess. Yeah. Um... I, that my big takeaway from this conversation is, like, Ollivander puts so much stock in the Hallows. Like, when he says, when Harry tells him that Voldemort has the Elder Wand, Ollivander says, you really don't stand a chance. Mm. And I thought that was, like, pretty extreme. Yeah. I wonder if that, that belief in the Hallows is, like, being Ollivander, being a wand maker, is very much centered on... It's, like, his belief in the Elder Wand, specifically. Um, But I think even, like... We don't see anyone else believe that much in them, besides maybe, like, we hear about how, like, Grindelwald and Dumbledore, when they were young, put a lot of faith in the Hallows. But, I mean, Dumbledore, obviously, does not, like, view himself as... Um, unbeatable when he has the other one. Like, it, B- Dumbledore views them in a more like realistic way. Yeah. Then it seems like Ollivander does, and I was just kind of shocked by like how important he thinks the Elder Wand is. Like, yeah. saying Harry doesn't stand a chance at all. Whereas, like, I feel like with the like respect and like obviously like knowledge he has of Wandlore, he would kind of like see through the like facade of the Elder Wand. Yeah, I think, like, in the book it's mentioned that, like, he's kind of similar to Voldemort in the way that, like, 
I don't know how much he, like, believes in the Hallows being true, but, like, specifically, mm. like, this wand of great power is, like, what he yeah. believes to be true. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I would like to go back and read that conversation from the book and see what liberties were taken with this conversation, both on Harry and Ollivander's side, just because I don't fully remember. Um, but the other note I had from this is, like, when Ollivander is examining the wands Harry hands him, I was wondering if, like, he can sense what the wands are made of and like, the cores, or whether mm-hmm. he just, like, remembers. Like, I know I gave this wand to this person and this is what it's made of, or if he's, like, sensing I, kind of, like, the wood and the core from it. I think it's implied he can sense it. I think he can probably identify wood by sight. Yeah, yeah. But because of the weighing of the wands. Yeah. True, true. He, like, there's no reason he would have known what Crumb's wand was, you know. And then, like, he does say the things about, like, flexibility and, um, he, it seems like he's analyzing the wand in that moment, too, because he says that, like... Draco's may no longer be Draco's. Yeah. I think it's a combination of remembering and sensing. Yeah. Like it Which is... I don't know how that would work. Yeah. Um, so then we are just... We're going to Gringotts. We just up and leave. Yep. Um, Hermione... We, we saw Hermione pick a hair off her jacket at some point. I don't remember when that was. Um... And she's now Bellatrix, and then Ron is, like, very poorly disguised as somebody else. Like, I don't know who he's supposed to be. (laughs) Like, he looks... They even, like, change his hair color. Like, his hair color is still very red. Which, why do they always do that? Like, they did it with the Ministry break-in. Oh, Like, when they went into the Ministry and they picked random people. Like, they do that to just, like, make make sure sure we know know who's who. It's like, I think we can keep track of, like... Three people. Okay, especially when, like... Hermione is obviously changing into Bellatrix. Yeah. Okay, I think we can keep track of the one other person that is changing. <laughs> yeah. And just know, okay, that dude's wrong. Like, yeah, it was like, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my note here is that it is at basically the 11 minute mark when they apparate. Um, okay. And so the pre-Gringotts part of the movie is 9.3% of the movie. It was okay. 11 minutes out of the 118. Honestly, that feels like longer than it is. I know. I know. Huh. Did I okay. do my math right? Yeah, I mean, that percentage sounds correct. 11, 11 out of 118, 118 yeah. yeah. Um. Huh. Uh, so they get to Diagon Alley. Um, this is the whole scene of having Helena Bottom Carter play. Oh my god, yeah. Emma Watson play, play Herm- Hermione play, play Bellatrix yeah. with Emma Watson's voiceover. I know. I like. I really, I know we've talked about this in previous Polyjuice Potion instances, but the fact that their voice doesn't change is, like, yeah, so annoying to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, I did have this thought while we were watching, too, is, like, it must have been really weird for, like, Dan mm. and Rupert yeah. to, like, act opposite Helena Bonham Carter in that way. Because, like, I feel like every other time that they act opposite her, mm. it's, like, a very tense, like, battle scene. Yeah. And now it's, like, you know, like, she's their Emma Watson. Yeah. It must have been kind of weird, like, after years and years of them filming with Emma. Yeah. I wonder if, like, Emma Watson was off screen, like, I while they were that, filming this. Mm. Yeah. Give the give the poor woman a day off. I don't know. Yeah. Probably like I assume like they filmed it with HBC like saying. Her lines. Yeah, for sure. Because they have to like make it look like she's actually saying them. So. Yeah. <sighs> the next note I have is like the scene, the like image of Griphook piggybacking on Harry was like not something I needed to see. Like. I just could have done without that, honestly. <laughs> like, Good point. It Good was point. really awkward. 
Um, and when they get to Gringotts, I, like, why did the trio not at all expect that Bellatrix would have been, like, somebody's, like, my vault, like, okay, first of all, they left Bellatrix, who was, like, freaking out because she thought that they went into her vault. Yeah. So why, the first thing she probably did after, like, things got settled with Baldy was, like, go to Gringotts and be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Why was something taken out of my vault? And also be like, my wand was taken. Yeah. Like, that's like, you know, like when you lose your debit card and the first thing you gotta do Call is, like, bank. cancel your debit card? <laughs> like, you gotta tell somebody, like, yeah. don't accept anyone who gives me... And, like, obviously they weren't going to accept... The... It's not on Gringotts. Like, Gringotts wasn't gonna accept, um... And that as, like, an identification, and they clearly were concerned, but, like, why did the trio not expect that to happen? Yeah. I'm trying to remember if in the, the book. book they talked about this. Because I feel like the, like, Hermione tries to not show the wand, right? She's like, yes. I don't think I need to do that. Yeah. Which, like... I don't know, is maybe more suspicious? I don't know. I feel like it was, they were just, like in a bad situation, you know? Like, they yeah. were going to have to intervene no matter what with, like, the Imperious Curse yeah. or something. I just... I find it funny because... This is getting, like, ahead in the plot, too. Like, so they... Harry Imperious is the other goblin, and... Um, they start going down to the vault, and then they come across the thieves' downfall. Um, and, like, Griphook's role mm. in helping them in the movie is really unclear because at the end of the day, the way they got into Gringotts is Polyjuice Potion and Imperious Curse, and then, like, luck that the thieves downfall happened to deliver them to right outside yeah. of Bellatrix's vault. Yeah. And like the only the only thing that Gripoke does for them is like teach them how to get around show the them, dragon. Yeah, show them how to get around the dragon. And I guess like I think he ends up being the one driving the cart once they've imperious the other mm-hmm. goblin. But presumably they could have imperious that yeah. goblin to do it because like it's something that he knows how to do. Yeah. So it's just like why how am I supposed to believe that Gripoke help to that like yeah yeah seems like they did it all themselves yeah i'm trying to think in the book how he was i guess like he helped them with like they had meetings before they left to like they like prepared a lot yeah like similar to the ministry where they like they poured over maps they like made a plan um yeah i don't know um so they fall through the thieves' downfall, and... Oh, well, okay, first, we have... You made the, this comment that really made me laugh during the watch-along. Like, the guards look like, like, Rena mole cops or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they literally look like, like they're what? wearing, like, cop Halloween costumes that, like, might actually be, like, rip-away stripper costumes. And, like, it, like, it does not look like they are supposed to be wizards. No, they definitely look like, like muggles. <laughs> Yeah, it's always bothered me. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because I feel like, like, Gringotts is such a pretty set. Yeah. And, like, the way, I like the way they have, like, the goblins all, like, really high up. Like, the desk is really high. Mm-hmm. It's very imposing. Yeah. And then you have these, like, rent crop strippers. <laughs> oh, it's so funny to me. I, like, had never really thought about it before. And then when you said that in the watch along, I, like, died. Yeah. Um, Okay. So they get down, and uh, Ron identifies the dragon. He goes, oh, my God, it's a Ukrainian iron belly, which I think is so funny. I guess, like, Charlie, I, I guess we yeah. assume he knows that from Charlie. Yeah. Um, and then I was, like, thinking about this whole scenario of, like, imagining Ron telling Charlie about how they rode the dragon Aww. out of Gringotts and, like, also saved the dragon from captivity. And I bet, like, Charlie was so happy. Yeah. Like... I think this ties into a couple notes I have later, specifically with, like, Ron identifying the dragon, is they lean so hard into, like, Ron being smart this movie and, like, knowing everything. And it's, like, such a hard left turn. And, like... 
Well, yeah. And, like, this might because... be one of those moments. And, like, I get why, but it's, like, all right. Yeah. You made him, like, look so stupid the previous seven movies. Like, maybe yeah. that's on you, like, overcorrecting. To, like, overcorrect for your mistakes. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, they were, like, fuck, we need to, like, make it plausible for how him <laughs> and Hermione are going to get together. Yeah. And we don't have written in the house elves thing, so it's, like, we're just going to make Ron seem really smart. This one less so, but, like... The, all the stuff leading up to the battle. Yeah, like... He's, like... And Hermione's, like, clearly impressed with him. It's like, well, you could have just, like, done away with all this corny, like... Yeah. Dialogue and just made him lead the house elves into battle. Yeah. Um, I do want to spend some time, like, just really quickly talking about the Gringotts ride at Universal because it's really weird. Because, like, <laughs> it's not canon at all but like they present it to you as it like like it's canon so like it takes place during this like infiltration of Gringotts Mm -hmm. but you see Voldemort and Bellatrix there at Gringotts and Bill Weasley's also there helping the trio like conversing with them during the ride and so like it's just very is Bill there because he's worked for Gringotts is that what they're saying yeah yeah and, like, he's there, like, fighting the dragon, like, helping them get away. And it's, like, so weird to me because it's, like, so directly not canon. They, like, because, pres- like, it literally goes against what is canon. How, how does the ride work? Like, when you're saying you see them, like, yeah. is it? It's, like, so Universal rides are very much, like, 3D rides. So you're wearing 3D yeah. glasses. Yeah. Um, it's, like, a mix of, like... It's such a classic universal ride. It's like a mix of motion, 3D, and real sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it, it's one of my least favorite rides because it just, like, is so weird to me how they created this, like, whole other storyline. Like, yeah. why could you have not just, like, stuck to canon or done something that, like, I don't know, like, didn't directly go against canon at least? I don't know. And I feel like it could have just been, like, a Gringotts ride, yes. and then that and you happen to, like, ride a dragon out. Yeah, like, it could have also, like, just it being, like, an indoor roller coaster, like, you would be riding a Gringotts, like, car. Like, Gringotts like, themed, That would yeah. be amazing. That's what I wanted, and, like, what I thought it was going to be the first time I went to ride it, but mm. I was disappointed. Interesting. But it is what it is. Um, I also do want to say I love, like, the play on word of this thief's downfall. I always thought that was, like, so clever. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That's great. And then I do, like, going back to the dragon, I do really like the design of the dragon. It, like, whenever I see it, I, like, remember and picture the description. Because I'm pretty sure, like... In the book, it talks about it, like, having those, like, scars all over its body. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of being that, like, milky white color because it's been, like, without sun for so long. And I, like, really like that they kind of kept to that aesthetic for the dragon to, like, show yeah. it. I feel like it makes the dragon kind of, like, ugly. Yeah. But, like, I like that they stuck to it. Yeah, and the scene is really sad. Like, when it's, like, whimpering and, like, cowering in the corner. Yeah. Hermione says, that's barbaric. That's barbaric. Which just feels like such a Hermione line. Yeah. Like, I feel like it really hits how her character would react yeah. to that Yeah, I feel situation. like she said it before in the movies. Like, yeah. it just seems like such a thing that she said. That she'd say. Yeah, for sure. Um, so they get to the vault, and they start, like, saying Horcrux. Or, oh. Uh, Harry goes, Accio Horcrux. Yeah. And it's like, okay, first of all, why would you say that in front of Griphook? Yeah. Like, you have been so protective over the idea that you are, fi- like, hunting Horcruxes. Like, not even, like, Arthur Weasley knows. Yeah. And why would you start saying that? And why would that work? They do try Maybe it in if the you book. said Accio Cup... They, yeah, I think they do say Accio Cup. They do try it in the book, though. I do remember that. They try Accio Horcrux? Yeah, they try Accio something in the book because mm. I think, like, one of them tries it and they're like, like, I think Ron might do it and he's like, I mean, I, like, might as well try, you know? I mean, that makes more sense than trying Horcrux. Yeah. Because, like, 
the Horcrux is not going to reveal itself and be like, oh yeah. Yeah. It's talking to me. Better go fly over there. Okay, so I had a question about this. Can Harry, does Harry have this like spidey sense in the books where he can like sense it? Sense the Horcrux? Yeah, when it's not like on him. Or does he just like see it and is like, that's it? That's a good question. Because they really play up the spidey sense both here and in the room of requirement. requirement. Yeah. And I just like can't remember whether that's like really that accurate or not. Because like I know like when like when he wears the locket, he can like feel it and like sometimes like hear voices or like something like that, you know. But I'm just wondering if he can like just being in a room with it, he can like not not only sense it but be able to like track it down you know because like being in a room with something and sensing it is different than being able to like locate it yeah i think like i feel like in the book he can like sense when he's close to it so like i'm thinking about like when uh, because we just read it recently in the the chapter with bathilda sasha nagini he when he's very close to bathilda he like feels the way like his heart starts racing and he feels the way he does when he is wearing the Horcruxer near Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so I think he does feel, like, a draw to it, but, like, I think that's, like, when he's very close. And I don't know that he could, like, it would, like, especially in the remote requirement, I don't know that it would, like, you know, he'd be able to, like, like go through, like, like, pound, uh, Marco like piles Polo of stuff. With it. Marco. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I feel a little bit more happy in this direction, yeah. so I'm gonna go the other way. Like, uh, that was, like, high and cold. Whenever you, like, played that in the pool as yeah. kids. <laughs> um, warmer. Warmer. <laughs> colder, colder, colder. Warmer. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think you pointed this out, maybe, in the watch along. The metal is supposed to be burning oh, hot yeah. when everything starts multiplying. No. Um, and that, obviously, is not the case in this. Um... I think I said it just feels like they're in, like, a ball pit. Yeah. Like, it's all suspenseful, and there's this music, and blah, 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 but, like, they're really just, like, stumbling around. Yeah. Like, and I understand how, like, being buried in a bunch of, like, metal objects, like, probably isn't the most fun thing in the world, but it's also not, like, they're not, like, screaming in pain. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would even buy that they could, like, suffocate that quickly, even if they did get buried underneath all of it, you know? Yeah. Because it's not like it's a solid layer. Yes, yeah, there's air holes. Yeah. I guess they're trying to, like, move quickly. Well, yeah, and then they know. The other thing is, like, people are coming. Ron and Hermione literally stop moving, and then, like, everything stops. So they're just, like, they're just chilling. Yeah. And then, like, (laughs) Harry, like, just uses magic to get out of it when he is buried. So, like, the stakes are so low for this. Yeah. It's, like, kind of wild. Um, and then we have this tense moment with Griphook where he's like, the sword for the cup. Yeah. And Harry hands over the sword. Yeah. So, there goes that. That's the last we see of the sword, I think, right? Oh, no, duh. No. (laughs) Come on. We see it disappear. They even set up the big moment. They slap us in the face with it. Wait, What? Because remember when they cut back to Griphook dead on the Gringotts floor, they show the sword, like, disappear. I totally <laughs> forgot about that slash miss that. I forgot Griphook died. Oh my my next note is, do we ever find out what happened to Griphook after all this? We literally see him dead in, like, 15 minutes. Does he die in the book? I... I don't know. I feel like yes, but I could be wrong. Because, like, Voldemort does come back and, like, kill everybody. It's just whether or not Griphook is still there. Like, why would he still be there? Just, he he didn't have a dragon to make it out, Audrey. You know how far he had to walk to get back to the lobby? And was he just, like, lying there with the sword? Mm Mm-hmm. Wait, this says he died at Malfoy Manor. What? I feel like that's just incorrect. His wiki. Oh no, he gets taken back afterwards and like interrogated, I think. Uh. Maybe? Yeah, um. 
The goblins reported the cup's theft to Voldemort, who subsequently slaughtered all of them, including Gripok, in a fit of rage. Oh. Um, so I think they'd, like, take them back to... Wow. Rip, Gripok. Eh. Wait, oh, well, the source is that for that is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. No. <laughs> is that shot, is that scene at Malfoy Manor? I thought it was at the... Gringotts lobby. I mean, like, is there another shot is at Malfoy Manor where they there's a lot of bodies, but that's oh no! I always just conflated this with thinking that was Voldemort showing up post them escaping oh, Malfoy Manor when he like goes on his ramp, like his like yeah. rage trip there. No, I think it's the Gringotts lobby, but like Bellatrix is there, but like. Bellatrix could also be at Gringotts. I just, like, why would well, you transport... wouldn't the goblins alert Bellatrix? Yeah, and then, like, why would you transport all the goblins to Malfoy Manor just to kill them in a different location? Like, that's... <laughs> well, maybe sure. just Gripog got transported so that they could yeah, yell Yeah, but there's, a, like, like, there's a scene of him all the bodies, though. And then you, like, oh. close in on Griphook. I do not remember. <laughs> I had plans on listening to this book before this podcast to go over this and I napped instead so great um the next note I have is Griphook is like really savage for just leaving Bogrod out to dry like that like not even trying to like get him at least past the dragon wait does he just leave him I think I blacked out during <laughs> this part of the movie like Griphook and Bogrod are like walk like Griphook is, like, yeah. shaking the thing, walking yeah. past the dragon, and Bogrod's just, like, chilling because he's still, like, imperious. <gasps> and then the dragon just kills him, and Griphook's, like, peace. Oh, I saw that. Okay, yeah. I remember But Griphook <laughs> just, like, leaves him. Like, help a dude out. Come on. Yeah. Griphook seems like he doesn't have great moral character. No. No. Um, and then the next thing, I don't have a whole lot to say on, like, the action scene of them leaving on the dragon, other than, like, it was really pretty epic. Like, I've never really yeah. thought about how cool that scene is, but, like, the yeah. hit, like, the dragon, specifically, like, the dragon breaking through the window, and then kind of, like, that moment where it just, like, s- like sits in yeah, the Yeah, and then air. Hermione, like... Yeah, just, like, relishing the, like, sun and the fresh air mm-hmm. and the freedom... And then, like, kind of, like, stumbles over all of the buildings and, like, crushes them and then starts to fly. Like, it's just so epic. And the scenery is so pretty. Yeah. Um, Okay. And then they're just like, yeah, I guess we'll jump over this lake. Yeah. Um, So, they get off the dragon at 23 minutes into the movie. So, this is... The Gringotts chunk was then 12 minutes because the first chunk was 11. So, it was 10.1%. Of the movie. Okay. It was at Gringotts. Okay. Um, so, then they, like, land in the lake or water or whatever, and Harry has this connection with Voldemort. Um, this is and... where we see the Gringotts scene. Oh, is that? that? We, yeah, okay. That okay. Okay. I was focused... Uh, um, because they really, like, hit you over the head with, like, showing the castle and then, like... The Ravenclaw banner. Oh my god! Okay. Also, mm, question. So they show like this woman, and I'm like pretty sure that it's the woman who plays Helena, but then Harry goes, "I saw Marina Ravenclaw." Yeah, yeah. And then I'm confused because like, if it is in fact Marina Ravenclaw, like how did he recognize her so well? I feel like that's why I was confused. And then second. If it if Harry's wrong and it is in fact the same like the woman who, if it is the woman who plays Helena, Harry should theoretically recognize her as the Grey Lady, not Helena nor Rowena Ravenclaw. I don't think that the that I I would, I don't know that they ever see the Grey Lady. I feel like they have. To. They definitely did. They definitely because saw the Grey Lady. But Maybe I not in the movies, in the but in the book, books, I feel like they definitely do. I feel like in the book, Harry, like, doesn't know who she is. No, that's what I'm saying. So, like, he would recognize her as the Grey Lady, not a Ravenclaw. Oh, that's is the is the rele- rele- 
revelation that Harry has that the Grey Lady is Ravenclaw's daughter. Or I'm well, thinking, like, I'm remembering it as like him being like, I didn't know, like I've never seen the Grey Lady. Like I didn't know to ask her. Oh, I think he's definitely seen the Grey Lady around. I don't think he. Nobody knew her backstory though. Except for Luna. Yeah, but did Luna really know everything? I think she does, though. I think she might know that she's Helena, or Rarina's daughter, but I don't know if she knows the whole, like, Voldemort, Bloody Bear thing. Oh, well, thing. yeah, no, of yeah. course she doesn't know Voldemort. She doesn't know about the Horcruxes. Yeah. I don't know, um, like, I was just, like, very confused by that, because, like, number one, he should recognize her as the Grey Lady and not Rarina, and then if... He doesn't recognize her as the Grey Lady, but recognizes Rowena. How did he not recognize the Grey Lady as Rowena? You know, like, it just doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. But. I don't know. Um, I don't, like, remember what she looked like enough to know if it was actually the same actress. I, like, I'm pretty sure it was, but it also could have just been another actress that looks similar. But even yeah. then, like, come on, bro. Be more observant. Um, um, I will say the first time I saw this scene... I thought Harry was drowning. Oh, yeah. It's when, okay, they need to stop the cutting back to Harry when he's having visions because, like, yeah. this is so weird. <laughs> they just, like, really want you to know it's a vision. Yeah. Like, like, oh, man. I specifically, after the diadem, I'm also picturing, like, Daniel Radcliffe acting after the diadem destroyed and he's, like, up against the walls. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like I feel like if somebody didn't know the context and they just like saw that on my computer screen they'd be like what the fuck are you watching um I will also say that you would think that like at this point or at least occasionally Hermione would be thankful for Harry for being bad at Mm. Aquamancy because, like, they get so much information from that that they never would have had before. And, like, she's always, like, kind of, like, um, uh, what is the word? I don't, like, punishing, you know, like, like being upset with him and nagging him. She's like, Harry, you need to stop doing that. Like, yeah. stop letting him do that. Like, at this point, but it like, really doesn't matter anymore. At this point, it doesn't matter, and you're getting information. Like, they've learned so many things that way. Yeah. And, like, you would think she would just be excited about, like, even if she, like, doesn't, like, thinks he needs to block him out, you would think she would also be, like, focused on, like, the new information they've now now got. Yeah. Not being like, Harry, you can't do that. Yeah. Um. Okay, so then this is the... The Green God scene, and like Voldemort is walking with his like bare feet over just like bloody. Yeah. Bloody okay. Floor. Yeah. Well, I think this is at the man. Um, in my head, it's at Malfoy Manor, but also. I mean, I. Really it doesn't have make no any idea. sense. I don't remember the scene, but like I feel like. I mean, it could be Malfoy Manor, but that also just like confuses me. Like, why would they have let Griphook make it to Malfoy Manor with the sword still in his hands? You know, like they would have definitely taken it if they transported why him they? from Gringotts. Like, I could see like if there was just like a crowd of goblins and they were just like killing willy nilly. Like, I could see Griphook still ending up with the sword. But if they take the Wait. time to transport them. Bigger plot question. Did, <laughs> did Voldemort know the sword could kill a Horcrux? I don't think so, no. Why did they take the sword? Why did they care so much about the sword? I don't know if... I don't know if they cared so much about the sword. So the sword ends up in Bellatrix's vault... Because is that just by chance? That's what I mean. Is like I th- I why think they, why they put because it in the her reason hall. they remove it from Hogwarts is because Ginny stole it, and Snape is like, oh. we need to like just like because I think Snape might know. Yeah. Um. Because well, obviously he knows because then he gives the real one to Harry yeah. and gives the fake one to Bellatrix. Yeah. Um. I'm not sure what they what like Bellatrix and Voldemort know, and I think the sword represents more because like. Bellatrix is mad that the sword was out of her vault, but she's more because mad she that, like, somebody... Yeah, yeah, that, like, there is something else yeah. that could have been taken. 
I, mean, I just, like, I never realized why they would even bother having it in her hole. Yeah. I guess, like, the I could buy, like, Voldemort does have this, like, attachment and affinity for, like... I wonder if Voldemort's planning on making another horse. I could, I could definitely because he never got a Gryffindor. Yeah, he never did get it. I could, I could buy that. Do you? What do you think would happen if he tried to do it? Fucked up. Wait, sorry. What were you? What do you think? What would? What do you think would happen if he tried to make it a Horcrux when it's imbued with the Basilisk venom? Like, would it have like post being imbued with Basilisk? Yeah, because like the sword is an object to destroy Horcruxes. Could it it have been made one? But it takes on that which makes it stronger. And I I would argue that it might reject the Horcrux. I think it even might. Without, even without that Basilisk Venom already mm. in it. Like, I, I think that the sword... I think a Horcrux... Having a piece of someone's soul does not make the an object like that stronger. Like, it made the diary stronger. Yeah. Because, like, the way that that... Like, the memory Horcrux was functioning was, like, to, like, manipulate people. Yeah. But, like, I don't think the cup or the diadem is a stronger magical object because of the Horcrux in it. Yeah. And it only takes in that's that which makes it stronger. Not something neutral. Not anything negative. It only takes in something that makes it stronger. So I think that the sword would reject it. I mean, I think that it would... I don't know if I fully believe that if it didn't have the Basilisk Venom, it would reject it. But I think that definitely with the Basilisk Venom, I think that would win out. And I feel like that, like a, yeah. like an explosion would happen or something. Just like... Yeah. Yeah, I say definitely with the Basilisk Venom. I feel pretty strongly even without it. But what I was going to say is just like a side note of how fucked up it is that like the author was so Gryffindor-centric mm. that, like, Voldemort was able to get every other house oh, object to make into a Horcrux, but not Gryffindor, because Gryffindor is the moral hero. And It's also really funny, because Gryffindor is the only one of those objects, like, of the houses... Wow, words. Like, we already knew of Gryffindor's objects before Horcruxes. So, like, we knew about the sword and we knew about the sorting hat, which is, like, also theoretically, like, a Gryffindor, like, relic. But, no. We can't do the obvious ones. We have to, like, the other three houses. Right. Uh, Anyway. So, they apparate to Hogsmeade, and I'm pretty sure in the book they do this under the Invisibility Cloak. Oh, I have one, oh, other, two other things to say. Um, the quote, we plan, we get there, all hell breaks loose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then also when they are putting their clothes on <laughs> in this scene, they are having such a hard time. Well, and it's, it's so relatable. <laughs> it's so relatable. But also you would think that they like wouldn't want to show them struggling to like, like, I think it's Rupert Grant. <laughs> well, because he's putting like, on like a long sleeve shirt. so long trying to get his hands through those sleeves. And I was like, I understand getting dressed when you are wet is very hard. But also, why wouldn't you just like Why do they even change? Like, like, why do Ron, I guess Ron's wearing like fake clothes too. But like, why does Harry change? He could have literally just dried his clothes with magic. Yeah. Like, I get that Hermione's in like Bellatrix clothes and Ron is in like robes or whatever. But like, it's unnecessary. But they also don't really even, I don't think they really show Hermione getting changed that much. Because they like, can't have her take her shirt off. She's a woman. and She's already been shirtless in part one. So... (laughs) She can only be shirtless one time. And they wasted it on that scene. Um, So yeah, like I said, I'm pretty sure they operate under the invisibility cloak in the book. Because they're like actually smart in the book. Um, Mm -hmm. Not that it like works because it still sets off the like, what is it called? The... Like intruder? Yeah, there's like a word for it. Crap. I'm not going to think of it. Um, but yeah, so then they're, like, hiding, and then Aberforth, like, so, like we're led to believe that Aberforth, like, sets off another alarm farther away to, like, give them time to. Yeah. In the book, he casts his Patronus. Yeah. And is, like, 
He says something about, like, his goat getting Yeah, in. or, like, a cat or, like, something like that. Yeah. Oh, I let my cat out. He says I let my yeah. cat out. Yeah. And then, like, then why would he cast Patronus? And then I think there's something about, like, Dementors here, like, around. Yes. Like, I don't want my cat to, like, get its soul sucked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then we, like, see that his Patronus is a goat. It's just classic. Classic yeah. out for they really lean into that. I know, so much. It's like one of the two things we know about him. Yeah, and like in that scene in the hog's head in 5, we literally see a goat in the hog's head. Yeah. <sighs> um, I think Aberforth, it's kind of, this kind of ties into maybe a bit like what we were talking about with Ollivander, but I think he does it, it's very, like he puts on a, a I'm not going to say convincing or good. <laughs> But a very strong show of acting like he doesn't care. Yeah. And that he hates his brother. But he has been putting his life on the line all year just to help the students at Hogwarts. Yeah. And he join, He ends up joining the battle. And, like, I think Hermione says it after he leaves. But, like... Like, that doesn't sound like somebody who's yeah. given up. Yeah. But, like, he really, like... It's interesting that he, like tries so hard to act like he's given up and like I wish we knew more about his personality yeah and like kind of what's driving that I guess like obviously we know that like his distance from his brother is part of that like driving that like cynicism yeah um but I I thought that was interesting I feel like it could be a way to like for like him to protect himself you know like knock at his not get his hopes up, not get too close to anybody because yeah. he has, like, lost so many people in his yeah, life. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, he's a, definitely an interesting character, and I really wish we had gotten more of him. Yeah. Um, both, like, in the series and, like, post-series, just, like, additional stories and information I think it would be really cool. I wonder if, yeah. like, there was slash is a plan for him to, like, play any role in the, like, Fantastic Beast series. I would think so. I would think we would, like, there would be more kind of, like, flashbacks, and I think he would be in those. Um, What was I going to say about him? Oh, and, like, I don't know, this, there's another, like, I feel like we also, throughout the books, are led to believe that, like, him and Dumbledore are, him and Albus are, like, very, like, there's no relationship there at all. But, like, there clearly is, because, like, here he says something about how, like, Dumbledore knew that Aberforth had the mirror. And okay, I have lots of questions about the mirror's path to Aberforth. Okay, the one other thing I was going to yeah, say is, yeah. like, there's another reference to Dumbledore, like, uh, knowing the owner of the Hogshead. Yeah. At some point. But, anyway, go ahead. Questions about the mirror. Okay, so, start off, I, like... Was it just, like, super convenient that Harry was, like, looking into the mirror when they got there? And then Hermione, like, sees Harry in the rest of the mirror? I think Harry pulls out the mirror because he's like, that looks like the person who's been in the mirror. Okay. I don't know if I buy that, but... That's how I always interpreted it, but I don't think that's even what happens in the book, so... Yeah, I'm mostly confused about the path that the mirror took to get to Aberforth and how and why he ended up with it and what slash what doesn't Dumbledore know? Albus? Well, so... So we know Aberforth says he gets it from Mundungus. And then he says, like, Voldemort, or, like, Dumbledore also told me you'd be pissed if, like, you found that out. And I don't know if that's how it plays out in the book, because I don't know if in the book they allude to this relationship between Aberforth and Dumbledore at all. So, Mendoza stole it from Sirius Stock. yes. The mirror in the book is in the movie is incorrect because they make it seem like it's all one mirror yes. where like Harry has the just jagged like just piece, the one but that's piece not that broke there out. were two mirrors and Harry's is only a piece now because he broke it but we also Aberforth don't see has a full one that's serious that, that was serious yeah we also don't see any of that previous information in the books of like that this mirror yeah. was from Sirius yeah. that Harry even broke the mirror like why does Harry have this just shard of a mirror like nobody knows in the movies yeah 
and but it's talked about at the beginning of Deathly Hallows book because Harry like cuts himself on it. Yeah. In his He's like trunk. cleaning stuff up yeah. to leave the four And then drive. he's like, Oh, this is the mirror from Sirius that I broke. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just like really confused about like if Dumbledore knew about this because I always was under the impression that like Aberforth then Dumbledore didn't speak even like up into his death. Yeah. But like that could be a wrong like miss like yeah, a wrong I don't assumption. Know. Um and then just kind of like why does Aberforth have it? Like I don't really understand that either. Like Well, I think he bought it not I don't think he mm, like, actually just, like, if you buy, buy just a normal mirror like I feel like he had like I don't know well no he I think he knew that it was a like two-way yeah. whatever but then yeah but then that's also weird if he doesn't but, know who has the other okay one. if you if you buy that Aberforth and Dumbledore spoke Dumbledore could have been like if Dung comes around selling things buy them they might be seriouses yeah yeah, but, like, also, again, this is, like, specifically in the movie, so I'm not sure what happens in the book. Like, uh, Aberforth literally says, like, oh, Dumbledore, like, Dumbledore warned me you'd be pissed if you found out that, like, I had yeah. it. And so, like, that is uh, Well, like, I think Dumbledore that's because he it implies that Dumb took it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, like, kind of confused, and I'm sure reading the book might clear up all my confusion, but don't got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> um... And then here's that conversation I was alluding to earlier with Aberforth talking about Horcruxes and, like, them Mm -hmm. having conversations about Horcruxes. Mm -hmm. And, like, Aberforth never is like, oh, yes, Stumbledore told me all about the Horcruxes. But he is never like, oh, you're hunting Horcruxes. How interesting. Like, I think he's the one that says Horcruxes first. Mm, He might be. He is. Yeah. He's like... He sent you around all year hunting horcruxes, and mm. for what? Like, yeah, blah, blah. I don't know. So, like, that's just another thing that yeah. bothers me. Yeah. Um, that's this scene is all we get on um, Ariana. I know. In the movie, we don't get her backstory or. Aberforth, like we don't know why Dumbledore, Albus, and Aberforth don't speak to each other from yeah. the movies, which is so wild to me. Yeah. Like we know that Aberforth has this like resentment for Albus, yeah. but you never find out why. Like I am yet again asking people who have only seen the movies, like how do you understand what is going on ever? <laughs> like I really don't yeah. understand. Um. So then we have. They show up at Hogwarts. With Neville, yeah. With Neville. Lightning is struck. I repeat, lightning is struck. <laughs> we have a new weather report. Lightning is struck. I think that's so cute. Um, and then Harry starts saying that they're looking for something. And he's like, an object. And I think it's Seamus goes... It, Harry says, I know it's not a lot to go on. And Seamus goes, that's nothing to go on. <laughs> Um, yeah. but Luna and Cho kind of mention. Yeah. Which, why is Cho there? So, yeah. So, who is supposed to do it in the book, though? Because Luna shouldn't be there yet. Well, okay, they, so this happens completely differently in the book. Harry uh, doesn't talk to anybody. Harry doesn't ask He anyone, goes yeah. straight to the Ravenclaw yeah. common room to see if there's anything. And then later, once Luna shows up, that's when they talk about it. I'm pretty sure. Luna helps him get into the Ravenclaw common room. Oh, that's true. Then maybe Luna was there. Maybe, Maybe, like, she after was. he she just, like, went to hang out in the room of requirement with everybody and just, like, never yeah. left the room. Like, I could buy that. Uh, that might be right because, like, yeah, because the order doesn't show up until later. Yeah. Um, but, like, he anyway, doesn't tell to... anybody. Like, it's much yeah. more covert in the yeah. book. Yeah, he goes to the Ravenclaw It's, like, in the middle of the night. Before everybody knows he's in. Yes. Yeah. And then he runs into the Caros there and they get McGonagall and, yeah. like, they like a fight ensues and then he goes back and like then the whole school knows and then like, the yeah because after that 
is when McGonagall fights Snape, and that's not in front of everybody. No, and it's like there's it's like just a bunch of teachers. Like I feel like it's Slughorn, the other heads of house. Yeah, because McGonagall, once she's like met up with Harry in the Ripcall common room, she's like asking how they can help, and she's like summoning the other heads of houses, and yeah. then they run into Snape. Yeah, so like it happens like really pretty differently in the books. Um, yeah, and Harry and Ginny have their like. There's just their moving reunion that just it's so really makes me believe in true love. <laughs> he, she just like stares at him and like they don't even like hug. And then Ron is like all offended. He's like, You would think I'm Frankie first year. It's like Jenny didn't do anything. Like yeah. they literally just looked at each other. It's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> and then Seamus is like, Yeah, but you're just her brother. She's got lots of those. There's only one Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Uh, okay so then we have snape's speech yes and he speaks so damn slowly (laughs) it's literally the same exact like cadence of people will think you're up up to something something. he like what what is the line he says this time it's like we'll be equally as something uh viewed as equally responsible yeah or like yeah, guilty like or that, something yeah. like that yeah um so they're all like and all then, in the great hall and they're just like standing yeah. in the four houses and harry steps out like he's gone in in disguise and then the order just like br- bursts in yeah he's like and I it's like you've had a security problem how the fuck did they all get there so quickly and like why did they decide that like harry would go in the robe but then everybody else would just walk down the hallways in their street clothes um i do have to say this like generally like like speeches like the one harry gives are like super cheesy to me but i think this one i actually really like i really like the like i feel like i've seen some people making fun of this line but i actually really like it like how dare you stand where like he stood like why don't you tell everybody like the man who like trusted you and yeah well this is this is the first time harry has seen snape since that night since that night and so like I'm sure, like, all of those emotions are coming back. Yeah. That's wild. It feels like they should have, like, ran into each other. Well, I mean, they were technically both the Forest of Dean at the same time. Harry just didn't yeah. know. Snape well, and the Battle of the Seven Potters. True. But, like, True. that wasn't, like, a confrontation. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, okay, I have so many problems with the amount of people that are just, like, at, like, in Hogwarts later on. Yeah. And, like, yeah. especially the kids, like... In the Great Hall, there's, like, really not many of them. Like, I'd say there's max, like, 150 kids. Which is, like, accurate. Yeah. And then every subsequent scene between now and then, there's just, like, hundreds of kids running around the castle. Yeah. There's always, like, at least 50 people in this one concentrated area that they're filming. Yeah. It's, like, it drives me insane. Yeah. No, it's so annoying. (laughs) Um, So then once McGonagall duels Snape... Um, there's, like, the, uh, well, Pansy Parkinson, like, wants them to take Harry. Oh, no, wait. There's the messaging, which I've never understood. Voldemort. Like, why is that one girl screaming so far in front of everybody? And then Pavardi starts screaming, too, and then everybody else hears Voldemort. Like, what is going on there? I, I have no idea. Okay. I think it was to, like, create tension is my only guess. For like but why like it, it, it implies that they can hear him before yes. other people can. Yes. And I think it was done to like create this tension and anticipation. Like I think they wanted that scene of like that girl screaming and everybody being like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And they just like forced it in there for no reason. And then uh, Pansy Parkinson is like, well, what are you waiting for? Like take him. And then all of Harry's girls step in front <laughs> It's like Ginny, uh, Hermione, and McGonagall. They're all like, no. Okay, yeah, My and then my next note is just the cute moment between Harry and McGonagall. Where she's like, Potter, and he's like, what? She's like, it's nice to see you. I think this whole scene, like, people have pointed this out a lot online. Like, um, like when 
Snape like deflects the spells. He like hits the two caros. Um, yeah. The fact that like McGonagall jumps in front of Harry, the like Snape hesitating when that happens. I think it's all mm-hmm. like so well done. Yes. I think everything with the exception of the, the girls screaming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So. For my personal calculations, I counted the beginning of the battle as once the message ends, because that's when, like, okay. Voldemort declares war, and that's when, like, yeah. preparations and the battle, like, begins. So that happens at the 39-minute and 15-second mark, which means there's 78 minutes, 78.85 minutes left in the movie, and that chunk is 67% of the movie. Okay, but that's not all battle. There's the epilogue. Yeah, I guess there's the epilogue. Which, like... Oh, I, let me uh, figure out when the epilogue starts. So, 64% of the movie is from the end of Voldemort's first message declaring war to the breaking of the Elder Wand on the bridge. Okay. So, I mean, that's, I, like... That also, like... So, that's the battle, but it includes, like, a little bit, like, obviously, like, like the, the conversation between Snape and Voldemort and, like, Snape's memories are not necessarily, like, battle. Yeah, but, like, that whole time frame yeah. is the battle. Yeah. But there's, like, stuff yeah. that's not battled during it. Yeah, so, like, the Battle of Hogwarts, what I personally consider to be the Battle of Hogwarts, is basically, like, two-thirds of the movie. And they still did a shit job. Yes. So, which we will talk all about next time. <laughs> yes. We're going to cut it here, right? Um, do, yeah, I just have, like, a McGonagall not even giving, like, the Slytherins the chance to be like, no, we'll, like, fight yeah. for the good side is like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and then I have, like, the, it's good to see you. Like, just, like, oh, tears. Yeah. So cute. Okay. But yeah, that's about it. So, come back in two weeks. No, one week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we will have part two of part two for you. <laughs> so, we're going to talk all things battle and also give a little wrap-up on this movie and all of the movies, um, even though we previewed that a bit at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Okay. Um, as always... Nope. I'm nope. Do nope, some social nope, media. Nope, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms, and please, please, please leave a rating and review. Yeah, and then you can find us on social media. We are Wizard Studies Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can join our Facebook group, Wizard Studies Podcast group. And then you can also follow us on Twitter at Wizard Studies. All right. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot. Right.